We're turning to Romans chapter 5 and John chapter 3 when we get there. So the other day, I wish, I wish my grandkids were in here. The other day, Josiah was riding with me in the car. And I said, does your mommy love you? And he said, yes. And I said, how do you know? And he thought about it and he said, because she tells me. And I said, well, yeah, that, that's a good answer. She tells you she loves you. Is there another way she can tell you she loves you? And he said, I don't know. And so how old is he? He's five. He's five years old. And he knows his mama loves him. And the only thing he could point to was that she says she loves him. But what do we all know? We adults, what do we know about how he knows that she loves him? It's not just because she says so, right? Her actions. Her actions. And he'll, he'll know that one of these days. He'll figure that out. When he becomes a critical thinker, when he, when he can think in abstract thoughts. See, right now, he's a little boy. His mind is very literal. But soon, he'll be able to start questioning all the things of creation. And he'll start being able to think in, 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 in critical terms and in, and in ways of, of, of asking, well, wait a minute, mom, mom says she loves me, but does she really love me? And, and I know, because I know her and I know him, he's going to come to a conclusion. And he's going to be able to figure out all the things that his mother does that, that says, I love you. Now, wait a minute. He might be past teenagehood before that really happens, you know, because teenagers come across a lot of times as being the most ungrateful beings on the planet. But not always. Sometimes when they're 12, 13, 14 they, they realize how much they love their mother, how much their mother loves them and their dad. And, and they, 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 they say so. They reciprocate. But what I want to ask you is, does God love you? And I know that, that secretly we have lots of answers in our hearts about that question. And many are based on how we feel about ourselves. And so there's, there've been a lot of studies, a lot of psychological studies as relates to how people view God. And most of us view God, the father, through the lens of who our father was, who our own father was, how he was, how he acted, how he made us feel. And boy, that's a, that's a big responsibility for fathers. To, to have the ability to imprint on another person what God is like. <laughs> and as one of my good friends here in this room has said many times, um, we all can, we all will screw up our kids somehow. We all, we all foul up as parents somehow. Well, because why? We're human. And, and we did not have perfect parents and neither did they back through the generations. And we might love, but, but what are we not? What are we not? Perfect. We are not perfect. There's, we we want to be, and we try hard, 
And so when we make a mistake, what do we do? Well, what should we do? I'll put it that way. As, as a parent, as a friend, as a human, as a Christian, when you make a mistake, you said a great word, own it. We should own it. Now, do we always? I mean, when we mess up, sometimes we don't want to talk about how we messed up. We don't want to own it, really, because it hurts to be that real. And if our lives are full of a whole bunch of hurt, there's not room for more hurt. So it's really difficult to own when we foul up. If you've got your Bibles open to Romans 5, uh, Romans chapter 5, we're going to read verse 8. This is a very famous verse among Christians. It's even a famous verse outside of Christianity because it's quoted a lot. And would somebody read it out loud? Thomas, would you read loud, please? But God proves his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, not, not just you and me, but, but all of us as a group, mankind, while we were still sinners, which was even before we were born, <laughs> Christ died for us. Why? Because we were going to be born sinners. And Christ had already made the, the great sacrifice for us. Come on in. And bef before, before we had a chance to repent, no one, think about this. When a part of God came to this planet on purpose, to be that sacrifice for us. Had anybody even repented? Had, had, had anybody turned to God and said, God, we recognize that we have, we have let you down and we want to repent and we want to accept your love. Nobody had even done that yet, really. I mean, there was a history of Israel of repenting and then coming back and repenting and coming back and and but none of it was done in a way that would transcend the sin none of it was done in a way that would wipe away the sin forever why before jesus died why impossible. was not possible because we needed to become and to be made perfect. But we don't have the facility to make ourselves perfect. And I've demonstrated before uh, the whole idea of grabbing your shoelaces and pulling up really hard so that you can levitate and maybe fly. And that's, that's kind of how we are in our minds. I'm just going to pull up my bootstraps and I'm going to do this thing. But none of us can pull up our shoelaces hard enough to lift ourselves up off the ground. And that's the exact analogy of none of us are able to take our sin and deal with it in a way so that it is away, so that it is no more, so that it is, is, is as far away as east is from the west. We don't have that ability. 
the same way we can't pull up our shoestrings. <laughs> the last time I did it, I actually did this in front of Janet's family when we were up in the mountains and we had a worship time. And, I, and there was a bunch of teenagers there. I said, watch this. And I grabbed, I grabbed my own, no, it wasn't me. It was my nephew. Grabbed his, I said, pull hard. Pull hard. He grabbed his shoelace and he pulled hard and he broke the shoestring. <laughs> That's sort of our effort to, to purify and to become holy on our own. Doesn't work. Eventually, you will break your shoestring. But God, while we were still sinners, while we still did not deserve his love, sent Christ to die. And Christ did die for all of us. Who's got John 3.16? Who's got John 3 open to read John 3.16? Susan, are you there? Can you read real loud, please? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world... He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Who was the saint for uh, in Ireland? Saint Patrick. Saint Patrick had to describe God to the Irish. Do you know how he did it? He grabbed a clover. Clover all over Ireland. They're generally speaking, once in a while you find a four-leaf clover. But generally speaking, clovers have three leaves. And he was able to point out the three parts of the clover leaf and explain to the Irish that there's God the Father, there's God the Holy Spirit, and there's God the Son. And it's all part of the same. It's God. God is one. Here, O Israel, God is one. But there are these facets of God which means that when God looked at us and he said oh if God were a Texan what would he say bless their heart <laughs> wouldn't he <laughs> yeah because boy that covers a lot of stuff but you, guess what he did he blessed our heart he said a part of himself because God the Father was still feeding God the Son. The power for the Son came from the Father. And the Son had to leave in order to send us the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Son couldn't stay or the Spirit couldn't come. But all of those are part of God. And God looked at us while we were still sinners and said, I'm going to have to go die for them to pay for their sin because that's what holiness requires. And they're not capable. They can't do it. And I love them so much, I'm going to die for them. So when a child looks at his mom or dad and, and they, you say, how do you know they love you? And they say, because they say so. Because that's all they can understand. But a parent really almost lays down their life for their child. Because they give up a lot. 
they give up freedom. Freedom is an amazing thing until you don't have it. <laughs> and, and then you realize how, how amazing it was and you didn't know it. When you've lost that freedom because you've got to feed the child and clothe the child and spend your money on the child, spend all your time on the child, you have to watch for them first all the time or they'll end up out in the street in front of a bus. <laughs> I almost forgot that. I mean, we raised two kids and I thought we did a pretty good job. And I had a couple of grandchildren in tow and we were walking and I walked across the street and I looked back and there was a kid out in the street and here comes a car. Oh man. I've almost forgotten how to be a parent. Thankfully, the other person was a good driver and didn't run over one. And so from that moment on, I stayed right with them, you know, kind of overprotective way. <laughs> it was, it was, I was amazed at how stupid I got to be. And because I, I would never have done that before. I kind of got out of practice, I guess. And so then, God looked at us while we were still sinners and he came, to, he came in and forgave us. And he loved us so much that he sent his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish. Now, we understand there's a little bit more than belief involved because the, uh, the demons know that God is one and what do they do? The demons know God is one, but what are their reactions? What? They shudder. They tremble. They shudder. But are they saved? They're not saved by their belief. They're not willing to quit being demons. When we, when we believe, what is the obvious next step? What is the reason that Jesus had to come in the first place? That we were broken? And that we needed to repent, but we had no way to do that. We do now. We have the gift. The, 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 the gift that Jesus gave us is taking on our sin, becoming sin. He knew no sin. He was not sin, but he became that. And we, all we have to do is say, yes, thank you, Jesus. Here is my sin. Take it away. I believe that you are Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I want you to be my Lord and my Master. I want, I recognize that you are my Savior. We, we can't save ourselves, but we can accept the gift of salvation. We have an issue, though. We had a father and a mother some, somewhere along the way. It takes both in order for you to get born. <laughs> And so many times for everybody I know, including myself, my parents were not perfect and my parents loved me, but because they were imperfect, they also hurt me. And they, overall, they didn't want me to do that, but they did because we're human and they were not perfect. And so some of us, have come away from that experience not being able to trust God because the pattern for God is my father. Some of us have been hurt, maybe not by our father, but by somebody else. And they have harmed us in a way that 
that goes down to our soul. And in fact, that kind of injury can make you hate yourself. And it, it makes sense to you that, that you are to blame somehow and that you are to be hated and you can't understand why not. And all I can say to you from this platform and about that topic is recognize where you live. You live in a broken world. We are a fallen people. Because of sin, because of sin that happened in the garden, we're born into sin. And there has been sin perpetrated on us. But I'm here to tell you that if, if something, some circumstance in your life has made you believe that you are not lovable and that you are not worthy of the gift that Jesus is offering you, I, I'm here to tell you that that's a lie. Now, the worthy part, that's a, that's a, that's a scary word. Who's worthy? Who, who did God deem to be worthy for the gift of Jesus? Who did God say is worthy? Louder. Anyone who believes. Anyone who believes. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes, not whoever believes that's not a bad person, not whoever believes that's never fouled up, not whoever believes that doesn't, think of themselves uh, in a bad way that, that doesn't have uh, self-loathing. No, no. Whoever. All of us. The gift is for all of us. So if you believe the lie that God can't love you, I'm here to tell you that's a lie. Because he says he does. Now, how do you figure out how that works? I don't know. Come talk to me. Let's sit down and figure it out. Get with, get with somebody else who believes. Let's get that straight. Because self-loathing, being not worthy, not lovable, that is a lie perpetrated on you by the prince of lies. Don't fall for it anymore. From this point forward, hear what I'm saying to you. And it's going to be it's going to clash with what you believe about yourself. Just because I say it doesn't mean you accept it and all of a sudden you're changed. Hear me and pray to believe. And if you want to talk about it more, I'll get together with you and we will work on this. And we'll, we will pray and we'll study. And, and I can refer you to other people who are maybe even better than I to help you in your situation. But the lie that you're not lovable and that you're not worthy is exactly that, a lie. And it must go away. It has to in order for you to realize and accept the gift that Jesus is giving you, which is the gift of his life and taking your sin and giving you the opportunity for <clears throat> eternal life and eternal relationship with God. God's got these attributes that we can barely understand. He's omniscient, which means he 
He knows everything. He's omnipotent, which means he's got all power and all strength. He spoke whatever is in existence into existence with his words. He is omnipotent. He has his omnipresence, which means he can be everywhere all at once. We can't wrap our minds around that. We can be in one place at one time. But, but God can, to, to God, time is like a strand of spaghetti. It's all over the place. And he can jump from one place. He, he's there all the time at once. It's not that he's not there ever. Isn't that weird? He's always wherever that is. And when, whenever that was, or whenever it's going to be, he's there. <laughs> he also is perfect in holiness. He's perfect in righteousness. He's perfect in love. He's perfect in grace. And when you and I look in the mirror, and when we look at each other, <laughs> we realize oh, we're not very many of those things. We, we can love. We can love to the extent that I feel like you love me back. But if I feel like you don't love me, I find a, a way and a reason to get away from you, and then I don't have to deal with you. But how, do, how does God love? God loves perfectly. He loves whenever we don't love him back. When, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he looked down at the people killing him and he said, God, please forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I've said this before, when I was a young man, I thought, well, yeah, right, God forgave them. God probably did not forgive them. But people, Jesus asked the Father to forgive them. What do you think the Father did? He forgave them. Were they asking to be forgiven? No, but you and I would like for somebody to ask before we offer. <laughs> but we're called to be like Jesus. When we're in the middle of the thing that's hurting our feelings from the other person or hurting us financially from the other person, we're supposed to be saying, God, they don't know what they're doing. Please forgive them. And, and God, maybe they do know what they're doing. Forgive them anyway. We're called to be those people. And when we are those people, our lives are going to be pretty amazing. Did I say it was going to, our lives are going to be easy? No. We're still on planet Earth. We're still in a fallen world. But for us, when you are angry and you're hateful and you're mad at somebody for hurting you, who's that hurting? That's a big load to carry around. And if there are a lot of people who are guilty and you're carrying all the load for all those people that you're angry at, man, that will wear you out. You'll die young because of the extra stress. We're called to recognize that that's poison from Satan and to pray for the people that hurt us and to ask God to forgive them and mean it. At one point, there's a verse that says, uh, by doing so, you'll be heaping, when you pray for your enemies, you'll be heaping coals on their head. And I'm thinking, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to pray for them and it's going to burn. Yeah, wait a minute. No, that's not what that's talking about at all. That's completely wrong. When, when we're praying for somebody, we really have to be earnestly asking God to forgive them. And we have to be earnestly asking God to forgive them too. When Jesus recited for his, for his followers, 
the, the Lord's Prayer as it's come to be known. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And at the very end, he talks about, and forgive us our debts as we forgive those who, who have trespassed against us. Right? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then he stops and he says, by the way, if you can't forgive those who have hurt you, your father can't forgive you. Wow. It's huge. It's not that I'm going to save myself by forgiving somebody, but I can walk away from my salvation by not, by not forgiving and by being angry and cold hearted and bitter. I can push the Holy Spirit out of my life and I can be in, the, in a worse place than I was before I knew who Jesus was. <coughs> I don't know why I'm talking about this to you tonight because I want to talk about the book of James. But all this came together and I just felt like the Spirit wanted me to talk about this tonight. Number one, I want us to understand how loved we are. If you wake up every day not feeling loved, that's a lie. That's a lie from Satan. Number one, God loves you so much that he sent his only son to die for you. And if you're the only person who ever lived, he would have sent him anyway because you'd have needed it. You wouldn't have been good enough on your own. You couldn't have been. God was going to have to rescue one of us or 20 billion of us, however many are going to live on the planet while, before the planet goes away. Every one of us is loved, and every one of us is loved equally. Every one of us is loved by God equally. And we are not used to that. That's not how humans love. Even with our own kids, we have the kids that, that we can stand to be around and the kids that we can't, and there are our kids. But we're broken, and we don't know how to love perfectly. And, you know, people tell you, we should treat all your kids the same. No, you don't. If you give one kid a car and he tears it up, take the car away. And if you give another kid a car and he takes good care of it, let him keep the car. It's his own life. It's his own issue. You treat all your kids the same. You want to be fair? Okay, that's fair, but you're ruining your kid if you do that. You have to treat the one who doesn't understand what the value of things are in a way that he learns to understand the value of things. Equity is not okay all the time, but love is. And sometimes you have to be very disciplinary in order to show love. And sometimes God has to be disciplinary with us in order to show love. And sometimes... Our lives are very difficult. But what does James say about the difficulty? I can't get away from this. When you face trials of many kinds, realize this is your opportunity to learn. This is your opportunity to become something bigger than you ever have been before. You can become complete, not lacking anything. Does that mean it's going to be easy? No. And if anybody's ever sold you a Christianity that says, believe in Jesus, everything will be great. Well, that's a lie. It wasn't true for any of his first followers. All of them but John died a, a death that they didn't choose. And, and since then, there have been hundreds of thousands of followers of Jesus who paid a price that was 
and a, that was a horrible price because they were they truly understood how they had been forgiven and they were not going to go back on their pledge and on accepting Jesus as their savior. And we have not been asked to do that, but maybe to our detriment, because we don't know if we'd have the spiritual muscle to do it if the, if the choice came up. But I am here to tell you that the hard things in your life, the difficulties that you, will, that you have faced and that you will continue to face are opportunities for you to look at God and say, God, I don't know where we're going with this and it may kill me, but I'm going with you and thanks for going with me. And let the rest of it fall away. Will you pray with me, please? Father, thank you so much for loving us when we, by all of our standards, oftentimes are unlovable. And thank you for forgiving us, even though we will tend to forget our forgiveness and run back towards sin. And you will forgive us again. Father, thank you that, that that's what grace is. That, that you are willing to look at us through the lens of Jesus and see us as clean and pure and perfect. And Father, help us to recognize that that's how you see us. Father, help us to repent of trying to save ourselves. Help us to repent, Father, from trying to, to find some method in, in the way we live or in the food we eat or how we look or, or what we own uh, to save us. But Father, none of that will save us. You've told us that in your word. Father, help us to, to learn to depend on you and you only and to not depend on any other source for, for our hope and for love. Father, fill us with your spirit so that one of the fruits of the spirit will be that we can love each other and love other people that are unlovable in a way that we've never thought possible. Father, grow us in that way. Grow this church in that way. Make that, make that our DNA in this place, Father. We repent of who we have always been. And Father, we want to draw close to you. We want to be your people. And I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.